Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of my podcast. Throughout this series, I'll be interviewing different individuals from different industries to find out how they use PR tools and the importance of writing. Today on the podcast, we have a good friend of mine, Edward Mueller, who I met was when I was an intern on Capitol Hill. Um, he's very, very smart, very accomplished, and you guys will learn that through this interview. So, Edward, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Katie. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us via phone. We love coronavirus and how that's altered all the things <laughs> like this. So we appreciate you being here today. Absolutely. So Edward, can you share with us a little bit about your educational background? Like what did you major in and how has it shaped your career and how has that helped you today? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, so yeah, like Katie said, Edward Mueller. Uh, I originally went to the U.S. Naval Academy out in Annapolis, Maryland for a couple of years. And uh, there I studied American government, politics, and law. Uh, and then I transferred to BYU and finished out my degree in political science um, and got a bachelor's down there. And now I actually uh, in, in the master's program up at the University of Utah, getting my master's in public administration. Uh, so a lot of politics, a lot of, a lot of policy um, areas of expertise. And I would say probably the, the most important thing that I gained from my undergrad degree specifically um, was the ability to do research and writing. Uh, and writing, I kind of put even as, as secondary, uh, because there's not really a whole lot that that they teach you in college about how to write. That's, that's actually one thing that I wish uh, colleges we could do better at and improve on uh, is teaching people how to write properly, but research particularly uh, and understanding how to track down good information and compile it all. And then that's where the writing aspect obviously comes in is synthesizing that and getting that out into digestible form for people to be able to, uh, to look on over. Um, and I would say, you know, Probably a, a secondary um, thing that, that I really took away from that and that has particularly impacted me in my career now is how to read and understand statistics uh, and scientific studies and all of that um, fun stuff. Uh, because there there's a lot, particularly in the media and in news right now, where people will cite these statistics and they don't particularly necessarily understand what they're actually saying or they're claiming the the examples that I hear all the time are you know the study shows X study shows that eating chocolate is you know good for your health and will help you in your diet or whatever well that's not actually what that study is showing it's actually showing that caffeine will help increase your blood flow or something like that and so understanding the claims that they're actually making and be able to um, be able to actually understand uh, and and communicate scientific studies and, and writing research. That's probably the, the greatest takeaway that I use in my everyday job now. I love that. I actually so agree with that. I don't believe that like once we graduate from high school, we have an adequate grasp of writing skills. And I truly believe even when you graduate from college, people are still not grasping those basic uh, writing skills, because even when you compose a text or a tweet, like people are still not using the proper writing skills. And that's crazy. To me. But, so I'm glad you touched on that. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about your position and what exactly a day at work would look like for you? Yeah, so uh, I am I work as the assistant to the speaker of the of the Utah House of Representatives, uh, which basically kind of means that I'm I'm the body man, uh, which is just political jargon for the guy that follows around the speaker and goes wherever he goes. Um, and so my day is uh, is pretty jam packed full of uh, meetings and 
really different every single day. Um, I also serve kind of a unique dual role in my capacity right now. So because I work for Speaker Wilson kind of as as the right-hand man, I'll help him in all of his legislative capacity uh, as well as at his private home building company. Uh, The Utah legislature, we have a part-time legislature. And so all of these uh, representatives have their own private lives. And so I'll help out there with destination homes with his private company as well as come into the Capitol and do any sort of legislative work as well. Um, so, you know, my typical day, um, I, I will say first and foremost, there really is no typical day uh, with the legislature. Um, but just kind of in general, I'm usually up around 530 in the morning. I'll come on into the office. Um, you know, I'm very much so a, a first one in, last one out kind of person, uh, particularly with this job. And first thing in the morning, I'll get everything ready for him before he gets there. Uh, so whether that be meeting notes or briefing you know, points for any meetings that he's going to be having or discussions, whether that's going back through previous notes uh, and pulling up you know, items or action items that we need to follow up on or follow through uh, with any of these individuals. Um, and then it's just a slate of meetings for the entire day. Uh, we'll usually have like a five to 10 minute check-in at the beginning of the day. I'll hand him a bunch of stuff. He'll sign some stuff and, you know, I'll kind of walk him through what his schedule is going to be like, but then it's just meeting after meeting. And that could be with, you know, local municipal officials that could be with other legislators. Uh, those could be with internal um agency heads, you know, it's just really dependent on the issues of the day. So it's pretty fluid, uh, but I also kind of really like it that way. Um, and then, you know, we'll head home late in the, in the afternoon and, you know, wake on up and do it all over the next day. I love that. And for those of you who don't know, working in the legislature, that is not a job for the faint of heart. So congratulations to you. Um, when I was on the Hill uh, in 2019, they were like, 14, 16 hour days sometimes. Like it is a very taxing, very, very taxing. But I noticed in your answer, you talked about how in the mornings you would uh, essentially brief uh, Speaker Wilson on uh, some of the meetings that he was going to be in. And because this is a PR podcast, I instantly thought that's what we do in PR sometimes. We write briefing booklets and we do research on um, people who we're meeting with. So there's another PR tool that you're using already. So you didn't even have to answer one of those questions yet. Good job. Perfect. <laughs> so what would you say is the best part about working in your industry? Um, so kind of already touched on it a little bit, but I really do enjoy the fast-paced nature to everything. I really do enjoy the variety of issues that we really tackle here. Like I said, no day is is the same. Um, and that that just is part and parcel with the territory of the legislature. Uh, and I really enjoy that. I, I like you know, having every single day trying to tackle homelessness or trying to tackle, um, you know, the Rio Grande project going on and, and crime and drug enforcement and, um, you know, or whether that be tax reform and Medicaid or Medicare, uh, you know, the issues really vary quite uh, a lot. And that allows me to learn a lot about basically everything there is to do in state government. And, you know, there's no shortage of, of information to learn and to gather. I completely agree with that. And I, I loved that aspect of it when I was working on the Hill as well. So I'm really interested to learn more about what kind of writing you do as a professional and like the types of documents you work on and how you approach those. So like what kind of documents do you write the most? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say the types of documents that I write the most, a lot of talking points 
um, external messaging, you know, speeches, those kind of things, uh, even social media posts, um, and then a bunch of other internal communications. So email, first and foremost, and you know that having worked on the, on the Hill, mm-hmm. uh, that we communicate a lot via email uh, with everybody from constituents to you know other members of government. Um, I do a lot of research briefs. So if the speaker comes to me and says, hey, I want to know, you know, what exactly is going on with mask mandates in every state in the country? Uh, you know, what are other states doing? How can we learn from them? You know, how effective is their policy? Uh, and so I'll go out, I'll research that and then synthesize that all into you know, a a brief that I can hand him and give him top line summaries to everything. Um, and then uh, the other one that I'm involved with pretty heavily is, is it's not just note taking because you know note taking is one thing to sit in a meeting and uh, and just write down everything that happens, but it's note and document synthesis uh, is the kind of the term that I give it. And that's you know we'll have a three hour brainstorming session. You know a bunch of different things that we could do to help with COVID policy, for example, and you know, then at the end of the meeting, we obviously have these notes of you know, all of these things that we came up with and all of these brilliant ideas that we want to implement. But now it's taking all of that information and then synthesizing that into a digestible document that we can now distribute internally to our leadership team or to other legislators and help them know kind of where we're headed and what we want to do. Um, so that it requires more than just writing down what people said, but that's a, a fundamental understanding of what you're talking about and how we can take next steps forward to implement these plans. Yeah, that's fantastic. That sounds like a ton of writing. So like what, how much would you say, like, what's the percentage of how much do you write in your, your position? Oh, a, a lot. Um, <laughs> I, like I would that. say that's that's probably the bulk of what I do. It's one of the most important things uh, that that really is vital to to a position like this because you're constantly communicating, and whether that be like I said internally, you know, with other people in government or externally with constituents, you know, it's all done via writing. Uh, and even when you're doing videos or or you know speeches or anything. Those videos and those speeches, those have a script that they're going off of. Like everything goes back fundamentally to writing. It's true. I completely agree with that. Um, I'm glad that you do a lot of writing. That's such an important skill to have. I'm really passionate about it, but I'm kind of biased. I always tell people I'm biased because <laughs> it's my major. But so I'm glad to know that other people utilize writing as much as I do. So, I mean, you touched on a little bit that you're writing for Speaker Wilson and other legislators and um, sometimes the media or whatnot. But like, what are your what are usually your key target audiences? Uh, I would say key target audience more so than anyone else are the politicos. And that's the people who are paying attention to state government. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I'll just ask, like, if you were to, to go to any of your classmates or anybody typically there on, on UVU campus and just ask them who their state legislator is, you know, I would be willing to bet that eight out of 10, at least, you know, maybe even nine out of 10 could not tell you who their local elected state representative is. And so I recognize that when I'm writing, not you know, what I'm writing is not typically being consumed by everyday citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, even the people that are consuming the, the Facebook and, and Twitter posts that we're putting out are by and large, you know, the other politically active people in uh, our interest groups or in other state government you know, agencies 
And so they're, they're people that really understand what we are doing. Uh, and they're not necessarily the lay person. Um, so when we're communicating and we want to help explain why we're doing what we're doing, you know, we have to know who our target audience is. And, you know, you obviously never want to talk down to them. Um, but if I'm giving a speech to, uh, or if I'm having speaker Wilson give a speech, you know, to, a, a bunch of school board members to talk to them about this new constitutional amendment that's going to be on the ballot in November, then you, know, you have to talk to them at their level and using the, the things that they already know. Um, so yeah, it's definitely the, it's the politically active people. It's the politicos that I'm typically writing for. Um, but, you know, constituents obviously you know, are, are also a, a big factor in all of this and you've got to be able to message to them as well. Uh, and you message to constituents dramatically differently than you would somebody who's involved in the process. You having served in the legislature, like you already know far more about the legislative process than most people ever will. Uh, and so obviously I'm going to talk to you differently than, than I would, you know, my parents or, or my, my friends who are not in this realm. Yeah, I totally agree. And so like you're writing for the policy junkies and for all of you following out there, that's me. He's writing for people <laughs> like me. So thank you for, for that. It's a, it's a burden you have to pair, but, but it's good. It's a good thing. So this next question, I'm sorry, it's going to be a little hard, but I want to know. I want to know all the details. So obviously there's potential for a lot of crisis communication within the government realm, especially if you're looking at our life since coronavirus began. I feel like it's been emergency after emergency, or at least um, big, exciting life events that have been happening in the last few months, to put it a little more more uh, rose-colored lenses. Kind of <laughs> but uh, do you have an example of when you had to do some crisis communication, whether it be on a policy or with constituent communication? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yesterday. Oh, uh, really, this entire year has all been just crisis communication. <laughs> but I don't think anybody could have predicted the windstorm that, that swept on in yesterday morning. And um, and I think that was like the perfect case study of how we in, in government and local and state government you know, manage crisis communication. And that was something that was completely unpredicted. And it happened in the wee hours of the morning. You know, when nobody was really, really anticipating, nobody was even awake, you know, let alone anticipating or paying attention to what was going on. And we learned that you have to communicate rapidly in order to disseminate all of the information that is out there and be sure that you're disseminating accurate information Uh, because everybody loves to jump on Facebook and jump on Twitter immediately once they see stuff going down. Uh, And people love to to throw their own personal commentary and their own personal thoughts out there. And so you want to be able to validate what people are saying. Uh, But it's really just all about that rapid response and getting people the information that they need. So we got a communication from Davis School District early on in the morning saying, hey, all classes are canceled. Great. We can go ahead and we can take that. We know that it's accurate information because it came from Superintendent Newey. And then we're trying to pump that on out to all channels that we possibly can to so that the parents and, and the students can see that and, and can act based off of that accurate information. So it's just it's really rapid response mixed with accurate information. Is that ever stressful for you? Do you ever feel a lot of stress when when dealing with crisis communication or do you kind of thrive in that environment? 
Um, I, I, I say would, I would thrive, yes. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is a little stressful because you want to be sure that you're disseminating the correct information. There is nothing worse than, um, than disseminating false information or inaccurate information, that's, mm. I should say. Uh, and I mean, that's bad enough when it's not a crisis mode, but when it's crisis mode and you know, people are relying on you for accurate information, Obviously, that heightens the stakes, and, and you want to be extra careful. Uh, but that being said, I do kind of love that. So it, it is it is also secretly fun for me. I'm so glad. I love I love crisis communication too, and I feel like crisis is where I thrive. I love like short deadlines. I love all the pressure. So I'm glad that somebody else is like me in that term, in that aspect. But. Um, my last question for you right now would be what advice, I mean, having all the experience that you have, it's a, you have a lot of experience for someone your age. What advice would you give to PR and communication students to find success in the future? I would say the biggest piece of advice that I could give PR and communication students is that your writing is not good enough. <laughs> and, and, and I say that, you know, uh, kind of tongue in cheek, but also seriously that that you know you can always improve obviously in, in your writing skills and we already kind of touched on this at the very beginning of the call um you know not many people know how to write well uh and it's unfortunate but it is it is a vital skill if you ever want to get into anything related to to communications or government particularly um and the unfortunate part is, is as a communications or as a PR student, your writing is probably better than all of your friends. It is probably better than, than anybody that you know. You're probably sitting towards the top of, of, the, of the pyramid, but it's still not good, which is unfortunate because you think that you really are. You're, you're probably better than all the English majors out there, and, and you might even be better than some of the poli-sci majors out there, but you know, it's still not where it could be. Uh, and so my biggest piece of advice is to work on your writing, work on synthesizing those arguments, work on how you can communicate more clearly uh, what you are trying to, to argue or what you are trying to, to demonstrate. Uh, all too often I read, you know, student papers that they will make a claim in their, their thesis, their, their opening arguments, and then three paragraphs down, they'll state something that is completely contradictory to their overall claim. Uh, and so being able to, to not only spot those logical inconsistencies in, in your thinking, uh, but being able to, to accurately and clearly articulate exactly what you were wanting to say, that is, that is probably the most useful skill. Uh, and you can always improve on your writing. And I'd probably say in order to do that, read more. Uh, and read more nonfiction, particularly. Uh, because not only will, will reading more provide you with more information, just broaden your horizons generally, but it will also help you formulate your arguments and improve your writing. Uh, and you will become a better communicator in general. Hey, I can't argue with that advice. I'm all for it. And I, I love reading and writing, but thank you so much for that advice. I think it's incredibly insightful. And thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You are the most welcome. Have a lovely day. Thank you.